BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's Jordan Younger, your host of the Balanced Blonde Soul on Fire podcast. Here we go deep on all things astrology, awakening, wellness, motherhood, channeling, aliens, and so much more. We have deep conversations. We go to other realms. It's a lot of fun. So stick around. Let's dive on in. I cannot wait to connect. Hello, and welcome back to the Balanced Bond Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm your host, and I am so happy that you're here. Last week, we kicked off the new year talking about intention setting in a solo episode. We also talked about setting boundaries and cleansing our space, as well as cleansing our circle, because we are heading into 2023 with clear boundaries, clear energy, and all good vibes. We've got no time for anything but that. So of course, I had to follow up that episode with this conversation with the amazing Erin Falconer. She is the author of How to Break Up with Your Friends, as well as many other best-selling books. And when I read this book, I read it sometime mid last year when I was on my maternity leave. It changed my life. And ever since then, I set the goal to have Erin on the podcast, to have this conversation. Beyond being an author, she is also a therapist. So I felt like I had my own little therapy session about friendship in this episode. And I know this episode is going to serve you guys as much as it served me because I'm not the only highly sensitive person in this group of people, in this amazing community that we have. And if you're new here, welcome. We talk a lot about being highly sensitive in this world, being empathic, as well as being people pleasers. And often that comes with its own set of issues with boundaries. And I don't know when this was. I think it was probably when I got really into psychedelic therapy a couple years ago, when I started to see that my energy boundaries were really thin. And I would just let people walk all over me. But not only would I let people walk all over me, I would waste hours, days, weeks, and years of my life fretting about these people. And believe it or not, fretting about maybe they're mad at me when I felt like I was the one bending over backwards in so many of these relationships. All of that said, I also feel like I have found a really healthy way to have friendships In my adult life, I have carried over a lot of friends from childhood, from college, from post-college life, and I'm 32 now. And so many of you know when you get married, then you have that double set of friends. You have couple friends, 
your husband's friends, your partner's friend has spouses and the list goes on. And there's only so much time in the day. We're all busy. We all have careers and lives. Some of us have kids and time just gets spread really thin. So I have had to learn how to keep my side of the street really clean. Because of course, when it comes to all these nuances and complexities in friendship, yes, I'm very sensitive, but I'm also very self-aware and I like to learn how to flip the script and look within because I know if there's a relationship in my life that doesn't make me feel good, I have to look within and ask myself, why then am I putting energy in this direction? So to have this conversation with Erin was so timely. Uh, People who listen to this podcast a lot know that this is a frequent conversation that we have here. We talk about boundaries. We talk about how to hold our boundaries strong, ultimately to just live the happiest, most joyous, most inspired and amazing life. And also what I love about this conversation and something that I love about her book is it teaches you how to be a better friend. I learned something so valuable in her book which is that I think she says it pretty bluntly. You cannot have 35 close friends. You just can't. You can maybe have seven or eight or more or less, depending on your personality and who you are. But if you want to be a really good friend, a truly ride or die to your closest friends, then spreading yourself too thin in so many different areas is not even making you a good friend. So the book is called How to Break Up with Your Friends. I picked it up for that reason. I've had some narcissists in my life, some truly toxic friendships in my life. And then also the word toxic can be very overused. So we talk about what that actually means in this conversation. And we talk about not only how to break up with your friends, but how to have hard conversations, how to keep friendships and which types of friendships are worth it to have those challenging conversations. We talk about non-negotiables, my own personal non-negotiables, what it means to be a friend our different attachment styles, et cetera. And I know I'm going on and on in this intro and it's because I'm so passionate about this topic. When I was editing this episode, I was taking notes. We recorded this like a month and a half ago. And when I was editing it back, I was like, damn, Erin Falconer is such a boss. She's so incredible, such a good author, therapist, amazing human. I hope this is the first of many conversations together on the show. So without further ado, we'll get into the conversation. Definitely check out her book, How to Break Up with Your Friends. And let's get on into it. Tell us on Instagram what you think, guys. The topic of this podcast has been so needed in my life for so long. And you're also a therapist. So you're an author, a therapist. And I think I'm just going to have an unofficial session today (laughs) that also is going to help the listeners. Perfect. First, let's just talk about your book. Okay. You wrote the book, How to Break Up with Your Friends. Yep. And everybody has heard of it. I've told my friends, like, who don't even listen to podcasts that you're coming on today. And they're like, that book? Oh, my God. So this is a topic that's really important. And people don't really talk about this. Yeah. How did you come up with the inspiration to write this book? Well, I had written my first book, which was very rooted in like the female empowerment, female productivity space. And for, you know, once it came out and I wrapped up the book tour on that for the next seven or eight months, I was looking for a follow up. And I went down like dozens of dead ends and I really wasn't like locking on to anything that interested me. And one day 
morning, early morning, at like 6 a.m., a kind of half awake, half asleep, this phrase, how to break up with your friends, just kind of popped into my head. And I sort of was like, what? I tried to go back to sleep. Couldn't really. And over the course of the next couple of days, this idea just kept kind of resurfacing. I was like, what is this about? Finally, I was waiting for a friend of mine, which I talk about in the book, who is famously late. And I was sitting there really, really frustrated and irritated, kind of looking at my watch, being like, ah. And when I started to think about it, this idea again came into my head, how to break up with your friends. And I started to look at the level of my frustration with my friend being late and was like, this feels like really like big reaction that you're having compared to just somebody being late. And that was kind of jarring to me. And as I started to look at it, I was like, outwardly, I would call this person one of my absolute best friends. You know, we've been friends for a long time. We know each other inside and out. But when I started to look at the way I was feeling and the relationship, I was like, wow, there is a lot of frustration here. There is, again, like the the punishment doesn't feel like it fits the crime of being late. What's going on? And so I started to look at the relationship as I was sitting there. And what I realized was actually that this like big chasm had kind of formed between us. Right. And I was like, whoa, this is so wild. When did this happen? Like, how did this happen? When did this happen? And so I started to kind of look down at the landscape of that friendship. And the kind of big epiphany that I had was I can't believe this is the first time I'm doing this. As anybody that's heard me speak before, I say this all the time, but it really was this aha moment for me where it's like we are a culture that is obsessed with information about ourselves. We know every calorie we're eating, every gram of protein. We're wearing stupid washes that tell us every step we're taking. Marie Kondo has us holding up chairs and sweaters and saying, do they bring joy? And yet the people in our lives, especially in this category, this friendship category, we really have no process for auditing and really getting clear. Like once they're in our lives, they're just kind of like, well, they're here. They're my Mm -hmm. friend now. And so that was kind of the genesis, the kind of baby like kernel that I was like, whoa, well, if this is true in this relationship, let me look at all of the relationships, kind of those inner circle, maybe middle circle level of friendships. And that was where it really started. I started to put together this idea and ended up pitching it and selling it. And I did that February 23rd, 2020. Three weeks later, we went into national lockdown. Mm -hmm. I thought this was an important topic then. I can't have possibly predicted how important this would become as we all got sucked into these micro bubbles and our friends were like, bye bye, you know, as as we knew them. Totally changed. Yes. Oh, my God. What interesting timing. Yes. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave it a try because I was a new mom and I really needed some increased energy. And I also needed a boost in my immune system. There's so much stuff going around right now. I know my family have not been the only people who've been struggling this whole winter season. So AG1 gives me such a boost. I like to take it before I make my morning coffee and it makes me feel ready to take on the day. It also tastes really good. So 
I've had this in my routine for about a year. And why change a good thing that you trust? I mean, it's part of my routine. I'm really into routine this year. And like I said, it tastes amazing, kind of tropical. I heard about AG1 from a lot of friends in the podcast and wellness space and decided I got to give this thing a try. It has also really improved my gut health digestion, something that is very important for me. It's made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients that deliver benefits like mood, immune system, and sleep support, sustained energy, and so much more. So if you want to take ownership over your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash blonde. That is athleticgreens.com slash blonde. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury and I am divorced, not dead. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said. Why do we put so much pressure on ourselves for the happily ever after? Does our love story really have to be one great lengthy novel or can we be happy with a book of short but exciting love stories? I guess we'll find out on Divorce Not Dead. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey. So buckle up. So I know because I read your book, you didn't break up with that friend, yes. but you had a tough conversation. Yes. And I want to hear about the tough conversation. Mm-hmm. But first, have you also had an actual breakup with a friend? Yes. And what was that like? Not good. Well, the truth of the matter is I had had a couple of breakups pre this book that were really messy and probably disproportionately not emotional, but like more reactive than Mm -hmm. proactive, right? And so when you're reacting, you're losing, right? You're coming from the place of the passive as opposed to the intentional. And so that was one of the big also like ideas that I wanted to get in the book, right? Is getting out in front of these relationships, being intentional with them, not just allowing them to happen to you. And then you react accordingly, right? Which is what I was seeing a lot in my life and also a lot around me. Mm -hmm. And so those couple of breakups pre, you know, this exploration were very like big and dramatic and like you're dead to me. And like there are no teachings and it's always the other person's 100% fault Uh and that kind of thing. And actually I do talk about one of them in the book with the person that I let move into my back house, right? Yes, and that that was sounds like something that would happen to me. Yes, exactly. So that like overextending and at the time that happened probably like I want to say like seven years ago. And at the time it was just I wrote that person off as toxic. And while they certainly were not like completely healthy, I wasted that opportunity because I just dismissed that entire situation as that person as opposed to owning my own responsibility. And how was I allowing that behavior to continue on and on? And what in me needed that in my life? Did I need the drama? Did I need the ego validation? Did Mm -hmm. I need, you know, did I have a hero complex? And all of those kinds of things that when you just dismiss somebody as toxic or in a big emotional overreaction, cut somebody out, you miss the nuance of the situation and the chance to like understand yourself more deeply and then take those learnings into future relationships. Post book, I did have a breakup, but far less dramatic and less about you did something or I did something that didn't work. Just this isn't working. I don't have the bandwidth and you don't have the bandwidth, Mm -hmm. I don't think, to take this forward. And one of the big things that I learned 
in the process of writing this book is you can have a totally amazing, healthy, functional friendship that gives at a certain space and place and time. And then as you evolve, if you're remotely interested in self-growth, right, cut to five years or 10 years, you are probably going to be in a different place, right? Mm -hmm. And so might the other person that you're in a relationship with and they might you might not be in the same place and it's not that one's in a better or a worse it's just different and so if you keep dragging that relationship along with you despite being in a different space instead of the defining moment of that relationship and the memory of that relationship being really formidable and giving you joy and being a part of like your overall growth process now what it's become is a drag you feel guilt-ridden or irritated by it. And that becomes the defining kind of memory of that Mm -hmm. relationship. So again, so that was a situation where I had just assessed that like the other person was like still wanting to be engaged and interacting despite us going in different directions. And I was like, this isn't fair to the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing a disservice to the relationship and to you. And so we had a conversation and that was a challenging conversation, but I feel so much better about it. And I honestly believe that she does too. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind to have those conversations instead of yes. just ghosting out of someone's oh, life. Absolutely. But I think those conversations are very brave because yeah. you have to sit down and like you would in a romantic relationship, right. say it's not working for this reason. It's not working for that reason. Right. And even for those of us who know that we feel that way on the inside, right? I think it's incredibly challenging to say that to someone absolutely and to close the door i'm a very like door open kind of person even with my exes my high school boyfriends like we are all friends because i don't close doors and obviously that's something within me it's not about other people right it's a pattern one of many that i've become aware of right but yeah i think what I wanted to ask about that mm. is what do you think of also recategorizing people? Because Absolutely. this is what my husband tries to get me to do. Mm. I am very sensitive. And as we go on in this episode, I'll tell you more right. about my history with friends yes. and things because I think it plays into this conversation very much. Yeah. But my husband is always trying to tell me that person is recategorized now. That right. is not your best friend anymore. Right. And, and that's okay. And there's all these categories and you don't really call them that, but you do write about them in your book. Yeah. So for those of us who are really struggling to recategorize people, maybe not cut them out, yeah. maybe because of mutual friends, sure. history, how do you go about that without just being hurt and being yeah. sad? Yeah. So as you know, the book is called How to Break Up with Your Friends. There's only one chapter on how to break up with your friends. It's a good one, but there are nine chapters on the importance of friendship, psychologically, emotionally, physiologically, and then how to do those friendships a whole lot better. And so the idea that you should go through your contact list with a machete and just cutting people out is not what this book is about. It is about really profoundly understanding who you are, what your needs are, then being able to communicate and take those out into your existing friendships, see where the holes are, see what's not working, and start to make some changes. And one of the the, the more common changes that I talk about in the book is this idea of your husband or you are saying recategorize. I'm saying just consciously decide where to put energy, mm-hmm. right? And just the reshuffling of that understanding, like my energy is not equal among all these people. Here is my best friend. Here is my ride or die. Here is somebody that really 
here is a relationship that really services me in this way. And I it. And by the way, every time I'm saying me, I also it, I'm meaning reciprocally. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to show up in at least equal measure. Right. So. Mm-hmm. So sometimes somebody that was like in your life, you know, you're on the phone with them three times a week and you're seeing them, you know, once every other couple of weeks. Now you have a baby. They don't. You're in very different phases and or vice versa. And all of a sudden there's just not the bandwidth or the energy or the need for that relationship at that cadence, right? That doesn't mean you cut that person out, but you want to really be conscious about, okay, I need to scale back how much time and energy I'm going to put into this. And sometimes just the awareness piece of that is enough to shift the energy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a conversation, but it's the way you position the conversation. It's not like I'm going to be needing to spend less time with you. It's like, this is where I'm at. And it is out of respect for this relationship. I just want to have an open communication Mm -hmm. about that. So it's not hurtful. It's not, you know, it's out of respect and love as opposed to me trying to over accommodate you and feeling resentment or you feeling like you're knocking at a door that nobody ever opens in this relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds like such a healthy way to have conversations with people. But the funny thing is, I don't ever do that. And I feel we're not taught like you just end up avoiding someone or knowing that they feel hurt and then you feel weird because they feel hurt or vice versa. There's all this unspoken energy and all. And that's the thing when when at the beginning, when I've had this realization about just the fact that like the way we treat this category of friendship is so different from every other category of relationship. You know, it's the one category that we think is nice to have and should give, give, give. And yet when it comes to like the work of it, you know, we know very well that like romantic relationships, they take, what's the secret to success? They take a lot of work. Family relationships take a lot Mm -hmm. of work. But these friendships are something like we think is just kind of floating there and we don't quite know what to do with it. And I was like, why is that? These relationships through the research and just from being a sensitive human in the world are so important and valuable. So why don't we pay them the same kind of, energy or effort that we Mm -hmm. do these other relationships. And for me, what I came to as a therapist, in traditional kind of therapy, you have individual therapy, couples therapy, family therapy, but you don't have friendship therapy. And what that means to me is that kind of out there in the zeitgeist, there's no collectively agreed upon language to navigating conflict in these relationships. There's no blueprint of how to get into new ones, how to get out of existing ones, what a good friendship even is, Mm -hmm. right? And so because there is no language around this, we don't speak, we don't talk, we don't communicate. And that was one of the biggest hopes for the book is like, let's put some language around this so that when we have feelings, we now know how to communicate them. And it does feel strange when you first start to do it because Mm -hmm. you feel like, is this too much? (laughs) Am I being extra? Like, is this? No, but it's not. It's like, I was being interviewed by somebody right when the book first came out and she was said to me, okay, Erin, I've got a scenario for you. I have a really good friend and literally the last 10 times we've made plans, concrete plans, date, place, time, the night before or the morning of, I've gotten a text canceling. And she goes, look, and she holds out her phone. She goes, look, she scrolls down. It's, you can mm-hmm. see it, black and white. Da, da, da. And she goes, what do I do with this friendship? And I said, listen, I've got news for you. You're not in a friendship with this person. You're in some kind of weird relationship, but this person has not committed to this friendship. Mm-hmm. I said, let me put it another way. If you were starting to date somebody and this was the pattern, she said, well, I mean, after the second time they canceled, they'd be done. And I said, exactly. And that is probably the 
most common, that's Mm -hmm. the way we react, right? That's a common kind of benchmark. Like if you get a couple of times, the person's just seems not interested. Okay, next, right? Yeah. But I said, how long were you going to keep this going? Like 15 times? Uh, If it were times, forever. That's what I mean. (laughs) Well, not that I want to be that way, but no, but like, it's just because we don't even know, like, is this accept? I guess I'll just keep trying. And it's like, but in a romantic, this is so carved out because we're talking about it all Mm -hmm. the time. We're talking about it with our friends. We're talking about it with whoever we're dating. We're talking about it with our family. And so it's just, it doesn't feel weird to start carving out these boundaries because we're already in conversation Mm -hmm. around them, but we're not having these conversations with friendship, which for me, we're leaving so much on the table with yes. these relationships, yes. right? So we've got to start talking about it. And it feels weird at the beginning. But once we start doing it, I, I the goal is that we are talking about it with the frequency and openness that we are with our romantic relationship expectations. Yeah. No, that sounds amazing. Those are the kind of friendships that I want to have. Yeah. I have two or three of those friendships right. where we're so open and yeah. Without me having a complete panic attack, <laughs> I can say I was actually very hurt that this happened and right. know that it's safe. It's yes. like, we're not going to, the friendship's not going to end. end. Right. It could be a little weird for a little bit, but that's not going to be the end of the world. Right. Where previously that would have been the end of my world. Totally. Because these are patterns. And of course, you know, you're a therapist. Mm-hmm. This all goes back to childhood. Absolutely. And I can see all of my childhood roots, yeah. all the patterning. Right. And so to get into my history of friendships a little yeah. bit, I've always been someone who's had a lot of friends and I've always been praised for having a lot of friends. And I say this, when I was a kid, the thing my parents would always say is you're everybody's best friend and everybody loves Jordan and Jordan's nice to everybody and you're everyone's best friend. And that became ingrained Mm -hmm. in my mind. And so it was like 30 friends, 30 best friends. But then I would throw that word around. And I learned something really valuable in your book, which is that friend, let alone best friend, are not words that should be thrown around. Right. They're it sacred. devalues the word. Mm-hmm. And also, you don't really have space, especially as a mother with right. a big career and married and all this stuff, to have 30 close friends. Right. But that leaves me in an interesting situation <laughs> because I'm 32. Yeah. And I have friends from childhood, friends from college, friends from post-college, friends from this industry. Right. And couple friends. My husband has friends. They yeah. have wives and husbands and all these things. And I'm sure everybody listening can relate. It's, yeah. It's a lot. And yeah. also, I also feel very lonely a lot wow. of the time. Like, are a lot of these friendships even real? Are they deep? Are they really just acquaintances? Right. Or I feel really let down right. by a lot of these friends. Yeah. That's what I hear a lot. You know, coming out of the pandemic, this kind of started before the pandemic, but really got kind of blown up during this this loneliness epidemic. And People, I hear this time and again, I'm I'm so lonely and I have a lot of people around me, but I still feel lonely. And then that really trips people out. Like I've got major depression or blah, blah, blah. And while sometimes that might be true, a lot of times it's not. It's that you don't, you're not connecting in the way you need to the right people, right? And it doesn't mean that those 30 people or whatever aren't great people, but are they meeting your needs now? Are they seeing you how you want to be seen now? And without your own kind of self-evaluation, and I want to talk about that for a second, because that's the starting point of any great friendship is a profound understanding of the self, right? But so you can be in this world where you're like, I've got all these plans. People are asking me to do things. People are calling me on the phone, and I just still feel lonely and depressed. 
And it's because you can't plug in and connect in the way you need to. So that's what this is like a big hello, like moment where you're like, I got to sit down and just start at the basics. Who's in my life and how do I feel about that? But before you do that, you have to be able to answer four fundamental questions about yourself. And that is, who am I? Where am I? How did I get here? And where do I want to go? And until you have the answers to those questions, and that's not something you scribble down on a piece of paper. I mean, you got to sit with those for a couple of weeks, right? At least and kind of look inward and start to start to sketch out what the answers to those questions are. Until you can answer those questions, it's really hard to get the right people around you, right? It's Mm -hmm. hard to have people respect boundaries when you don't know what your boundaries are, right? Yes, and when you're very flexible with your boundaries and don't hold them. Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so when you, even though this is a book about relationships, as I said, like the cornerstone of great relationships is a a deep understanding of of yourself, Mm -hmm. flaws and all. So it's not like creating a perfect picture. It's like, what are my needs? Where do I need to be metaphorically held? Where can I metaphorically really show up for people? Where Mm -hmm. can I, having an understanding of that. And in the book, there's, you know, worksheets to get you started to be like, let me really kind of drill down and and figure out the answers to these questions so that then I'm not out there collecting friends blindly and then ultimately feeling lonely and isolated despite having people around me. Yes. Yes. Because something I've found at this stage in my life is just having such minimal time. Right. And there are best friends. And I mean, like the real best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Who I will maybe not see for three or four months because our lives are going at different paces, different directions, all these things. We talk a lot. We touch base. We know we're there for each other. And then there are like surface level acquaintances who I see often because they're reaching out all the time. And I'm like, oh, I I have trouble saying no, first of all. Yeah, that's the thing. You're not making a choice. You're letting those relationships happen to you as opposed to you happening to those relationships. Yeah, I want to start making more of a choice and being more empowered. Last night, I saw two of my best old oldest friends for the first time in a long time and and I can take a look at my life my schedule and where I am in my life and see that I've been kind of floundering in the wind because I'm overwhelmed I'm a new mom yeah some people are more the type to reach out and make plans some people are more the type to receive plans and I'm somewhere in the middle right and now I know like no I'm gonna reach out more and we also tell ourselves so many stories. Totally. So five months have gone by, hypothetically. Yeah. They must be mad at me. Right. And oftentimes that's not the case. We're right. all living our life. And I've also learned in probably just the last year mm-hmm. how codependent of a person that I've been. Right. Where previously, I didn't know that I was codependent. I heard about codependency. Yeah. I felt like that's not really who I am. Right. Rather, that's who I am to a T. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a route to childhood as well. Right. I had a childhood best friend who we completely stopped being friends mm-hmm. come high school. Mm-hmm. And I felt very abandoned. And I'm sure she felt a lot of ways as well. And I'm mm-hmm. sure it was very mutual in many right. ways. But I know the way that it's impacted me. Mm-hmm. So now when I have close friends and I feel even a hint of like, they might be mad at me. Right. Or if I did or didn't do this, they would be mad. Mm-hmm. That's like the inner dialogue of my mind Mm -hmm. that I'm trying to heal from because I've learned it takes up a lot of energy. It does. (music) 
Okay, so something I've been talking a lot about lately is my meditation and mindfulness practice. Open is a mindfulness app built to transform your life. I'm obsessed with it. I've been using it every day this month as part of their January challenge. So what you can expect from Open is to experience the power of combining breathwork, meditation, sound, and movement to strengthen your mind-body connection. Pretty much all of my favorite things. You can practice digitally on their app and website or in person at their studio in Venice if you are LA local like me. I have been doing their breathwork and meditation challenge and you guys can join me. It's not too late. You can get free unlimited digital access to open January 1st to the 31st. So again, you can join now. If you complete 31 practices in 31 days, any digital class on the app or website, then you are entered to win an open in-person retreat. It's also awesome because you'll receive the benefits, of course, of meditation and breath work, which can relieve stress, increase focus, uplift your mood, boost your energy. And it's fun because we can do it together as a community. You can track your progress and build daily habits. And this is what we love. We just want to go into 2023 feeling amazing. And I know I'm not the only one who is ready to change my life for the better. So join me in the challenge this January. Find the link in the show notes to practice for free. It is with open.com slash balanced blonde. And again, head to the show notes for that link and enjoy. I cannot wait to see what you think of it. And also the teachers are amazing. That is with open.com slash balanced blonde. Guys, I am thrilled to be talking about Thrive Market. They are my go-to for all of my grocery and household essentials and also the convenience of getting it all quickly shipped to my doorstep because let's be real, I'm a mom. I have a lot going on. I don't always make it to the grocery store, but I do always need to have a fully stocked kitchen and pantry. My family is hungry. We need all the things. They have so many of my favorite brands from Primal Kitchen to Simple Mills, Bob's Red Mill, Artisana. They have my favorite, Eat Bonza Chickpea Pasta. They just have everything that you could need. And also it's very affordable. So you can save money on every single order with Thrive Market. On average, I save over 30% each time. Time. On my last order, I saved over $15, which is massive savings. On top of that, they have a deals page that changes every day that gives you cash back on so many brands. And they also have a price match guarantee. Not only does Thrive Market save me money, but they also save me time. I love the filters on their website and their app. They have over 70 different filters. So for people like me who are looking for vegan and gluten-free non-toxic stuff, you can curate your own shopping experience with the click of a button. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one -one membership matching program. You join and they give. Join Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash balancedblonde for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That is T-H-R-I-V market.com slash balanced blonde thrive market.com slash balanced blonde. I'm really glad you brought that up because further to understanding yourself and answering those questions that I brought up, you really do need to look at 
and, and there's a chapter in the book, as you know, called First Friendships, and really mm-hmm. understand how your friendship dynamic and your friendship behavior started as young as you can remember, right? Because there are a lot of traits that you develop, either they're part of you or they're developed situationally, that start to define how you go out and interact with more adult friendships when you're like making choices about friendships, right? As opposed to like, you know, when we're young, you're put on a playground in school and say, well, find somebody to play. It's a very limited self-expression tool, right? It's just like more a function of like proximity. And then of course, as you get older, you start to be able to make choices about who you want to hang out with. And once you get a driver's license and you can actually drive and you do be or become mobile, you can go out and expand your kind of world a little bit more with friendships. But when you look back, even even beyond first friendships, you know, there's a thing in psychology t- called uh, attachment styles, you know, I'm sure you're aware of it. And that that basically means like when you were brought into the world for anybody listening who doesn't know, your relationship with your primary caregivers can, are, can kind of be categorized at, with secure attachment or insecure attachment or basically a non-existent attachment. In other words, one of those care, one or both of those caregivers are just not present at all, literally, physically. And so that results in if you have a secure attachment, which means your primary caregivers were always there for you meeting your basic needs, right? Food, shelter, emotional needs, you're crying, somebody comes to pick you up, that kind of stuff. Often you'll be able to go out into the world and form much tighter and much easier bonds with people, right? You feel secure in your attachment with people. If you have somebody that has, you've been abandoned, really, and those needs have not been met, obviously you can have abandonment anxiety and you bring that kind of energy. Like there's a fear and I'm not talking about your prime caregivers, but you had that little experience mm-hmm. where the abandonment is real and you start to take that into your future relationships, your current relationships, right? Like if somebody's mad, they're going to leave me. So I need to fix that. Right. So you really want to look at that and you want to look at the landscape. And also how did the prime people in your lives do friendship, right? Mm-hmm. So I had a mom and dad who were super social and, you know, having dinner parties and like just very, very social. They had a tight group of friends that they were always interacting with. And so I was like, that's the way you do friendship. And, mm-hmm. you know, I co-founded a company with Jerry called Leaf, which is all about entertaining and socializing. And I would be my whole life. I was like throwing dinner parties and doing all the things. And then one day I had a meltdown at at Whole Foods where I was literally like, what am I doing here? It was like Friday and I was throwing this dinner party and I was like crying in the aisles and so stressed out. And I was like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. I'm so unhappy doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's when I, the first time I realized, wait, I am actually really introverted. Mm. I am not somebody that should be throwing parties. That is just what was modeled for me. That was like what friendship was. And so I never thought to check that, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, that's what the way I saw my parents. But, and that's a great way to be. But I realized that's not how I am. I'm much more fine to not be the hostess with the mostess. Yes. And, and so like those learnings, again, that self-audit is so important for then going out and communicating needs and knowing exactly what you want and need in these relationships. Yes, I can relate in so many ways. Having very social parents, Mm -hmm. both of whom have had friends that they've had their whole life and that being modeled to me, which I'm so grateful for because in many ways I am a lot like them, but I've only learned from like mid-20s and beyond Mm -hmm. 
how much I like to be alone. Right. <laughs> and how much I like to be just with my husband and my son yeah. and our cat. Yeah. And so sometimes months will go by yeah. where there's not even a free weekend to just be with my husband right. and my son. Exactly. And that that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like between my life, my husband's life, our families, mm. et cetera. That's what happens. So yeah. I relate to your Whole Foods meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing I was going to say on that note is for first friendships, I have a question about that too, because mm. two of my most ride or die best friends, mm-hmm. we've been friends since childhood. Yeah. Incredible friends, incredible people. Our dynamic is just so safe, so wonderful, mm-hmm. just everything. Yeah. And they set the bar so high for right. me that I actually have found myself ever since kind of getting a lot of disappointed in a lot of yeah. friends because I'm like, wait, not like Katie and Danielle. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yes. And that's the thing. It's a real, it's a really important distinction to make. Not everybody. In fact, in my opinion, nobody can be everything to you. Only you can be everything to you. Right. And so with some luck, we have a couple of people that are close to that. They're fulfilling many needs. They understand you at a deep and profound level. But it's not fair and not even possible to put that level of expectation on everybody. But we do it often, right? It's a kind of like they're the benchmark and everybody else is falling short. But that's a good example of leaving kind of friendship energy or friendship benefit on the table in the sense that if we categorize, you say everybody has to be at this level, well, surely 80% of the people in your life are failing, right? And you're feeling conflicted about that and frustrated about that. What is really important to do when you're getting clear on who is currently in your life is what is that relationship's specific value proposition? In other words, you don't need everybody to be the person you call at three in the morning or the person that gives you good business or relationship advice or the person that makes you laugh or the person that they just need to do one or two things. The relationship needs to do one or two things really well. And so when you start to get clear on what that value proposition is, as opposed to everybody needs to show up 100,000 percent all the time, like Katie and Danielle. Oh, good Danielle, job. Yeah, right? Katie and Danielle. Then all of a sudden you can really be focused on on, on the meat or, mm-hmm. or the juice of, of what is golden about that relationship. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And then you're not disappointed. You're actually excited about what that offering is because you're looking yes. at it in a really clear and concise way. Now, you need to make sure that what you're bringing to the relationship makes sense for that, right? Like you've also mm-hmm. got to understand it's not about, it's the dynamic between two people. And so how that kind of like little magic, right? And each time it has to really connect in that way. But when it does, if it's in a specific way, that's great. And then the Katie and Danielle's are the kind of, they fulfill that all-inclusive friend category. But you've got space for like six or eight people that are just meeting relationships that are just meeting different needs. Yes, yes. Do you know the therapist, Esther Perel? Mm-hmm. So she does a lot of couples work, right? And she's she has been saying probably longer than I've been hearing it, but at least for the last you know, six or eight months, she's talking about the pressure on romantic couples, like modern romantic couples. Now, like the ideal is that that person, your partner is your everything, right? And so like you're talking about thoroughly about work, you know each other's friends, you have, you know, you're totally co-parenting. You're not just talking about workouts, you're working out together. 
And that puts so much stress on that relationship, right? Because again, not nobody can be your everything except for you, right? So having these other friendships really carved out for what each relationship is bringing to you can also help offload in the romantic department when mm-hmm. you're like, I don't need this person to be my romantic part to be everything. They need to be a lot of things, but I can get X, Y, and Z from this relationship and this relationship and this relationship in the friend zone, right? And so it's really important to be hyper aware of the dynamic of each of these relationships. Mm-hmm. My husband would definitely agree with that <laughs> as when I'm really having a meltdown or having a rough time. He's yeah. like, you need to go out with your friends. Yes. And I love that he does that yeah. because he recognizes that a lot of my girlfriends can give me something that he can't, which right. is totally fine. Yes. And he gives me a lot because we do have that kind of best friend energy too. Yeah. We were friends before we were dating. Right. So he was one of the friends right. in the close circle. But right. anyway, there are many things that he can't <laughs> give me in terms of like just sure. understanding on a very feminine level certain things but going back to another thing that you were saying which was that it's also how we show up in the friendship of course yeah I've found myself as a pattern Mm. showing up for people who are not showing up for me in a very like I feel like I have to kind of way right and sometimes the worse they are to me the greater I am to them right and I I mean that's a pattern I would say I'm doing a lot better with that recently right because I just recognize so deeply how what a mismatch of energy right. that is. Right. But I think there's a lot of people listening who can probably relate. Yeah. And what do we do about that? Well, again, the first thing is the awareness piece. Just getting clear that you're doing that. So how are you behaving in relationships? How are you showing up in relationships? Noticing your patterns. You've obviously done that work, but surprising to find that a lot of people most people aren't. They're just dialing these things in, going, falling in on habits, but they're not even aware of what those habits are. So it's, it's really imperative to get clear on how you're behaving in each relationship, right? And why you're doing that. And so I think understanding the why of it is also very important. Why are you doing it in this specific relationship? And why are you doing it generally, right? Mm-hmm. And so Again, a lot of that why are you generally is going to go back to you, going to go back to where you've come from, what kind of needs that you're trying to fulfill in yourself that are actually even bigger than this one relationship. Really important to get clear on that. And then also what is particularly happening in this relationship that is maybe triggering you to behave that way, right? And it all comes back to what needs are you trying to fulfill in yourself? Are you scared to lose a relationship? What that says about you? Are you, in your case, maybe like an abandonment anxiety, right? Are you concerned with outside optics, like you're the person that has all these friends and never loses a friend and what that says to the world? So more Mm -hmm. like the persona-based like living, right? Once you get clear a little bit on the why, it's easier to start making choices around that, right? Mm -hmm. So even if you're behaving like that and somebody's not showing up, it's still worth it to say, to look at, is the core value proposition, this relationship, if we can get it back on track, still something that is worth it for me? Like it still provides value, right? Because it's very easy to get caught up in this behavior. I'm doing this and she's not showing up and I am keep doing it. And then you, you want to walk away from the whole thing. But so much of that, I think you talked about this a little bit before, is this narrative, right? That we're creating in our heads, right? 
she's not showing up for me. Why isn't she showing up for me? Oh, she's probably not showing up for me because, and then you just create this story. Mm-hmm. Most often that narrative that you create in your head has nothing to do with the reality of what's actually gone on. So you can imagine having just a direct conversation with like, hey, I really care about this relationship and I feel like you're not showing up for me. Is something going on in your life? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it, right? And it's not even you focused, right? So we always start to make it about us. Like I've done something, she's mad at me, you blah, blah, blah. You know, you say all these, you create these narratives in your your head. Oftentimes something's going on in her life that has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with you. So if you care about the relationship at all, getting really clear on what's motivating that person, just in their own world before you, I think is a great place to start mm-hmm. and say, I've noticed this. You've stopped showing up. Is there something going on in your life? W- would you like to talk about it? Because, and often they'll say like, yes, this is, I'm having so much stress at work. Oh my God, I've been, you know, and they'll, and you go, oh, that's yeah. not, oh, that's literally, you're like kicking yourself because you've had this whole world created in your head that it's about you. Yeah, when it's really not about When us. it's really not about you. Yeah, on the off chance if they're like, no, I don't know what you're talking about and kind of like gaslight you. Either they're not like paying attention at all, which is a big problem, or they're like, just don't want to deal with it. And what often happens is they make you feel like you're crazy. Like, Mm -hmm. no, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I totally am. And it's like, right. I have had that happen. Yeah. So then you've got to start to make a choice. And, you know, you say, well, actually, I've really feel like this is just energetically, like I feel like this is happening and I'm not okay with it. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of bandwidth. I'd love to give some of it to you, but it feels like we're on a different page. I feel like I'm giving a lot and you're not. And so we either need to fix that, work together to fix that, or else I'm just going to have to put my energy somewhere else. I love that. That's such a good, honest way to be in connection with people. Yeah. I'm going to bring that into my life. And it's not reactive. You're just commenting. You know, a lot of what good therapy is, is right. What what makes people feel safe is you're kind of just commenting on what the here and now, what is coming up for you, what is going, this is, you know, Mm -hmm. this is what I'm feeling. It's hard to get really mad at somebody when they come from an honest place and they're saying, this is what I'm seeing is happening in this relationship. This is what I'm feeling is happening in this relationship. That's such an honest place to come from. It's hard for people to get uber defended when you lead with that kind of approach, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if they do, then that's good information to have as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the way that those conversations end up going tells you everything that you need to know about whether that's a worthwhile friendship. And I will say, although for years, for decades, I prided Mm -hmm. myself on never losing a friend or never cutting someone out, I have probably made the choice in the Mm -hmm. last many years to cut out like three people. Yeah. And each time that has been very rewarding. Yeah. That has felt so right. So yeah, I know a lot of people wrote in and wanted to know, how do you know when someone's truly toxic? Because I think that word is very overused. Yes. And we often don't see our own toxic traits, quote unquote. Exactly. Um, But I have known without a shadow of a doubt when there is a narcissist in my life or when there is a, I had a friend who was, so smothering of my energy that it felt sociopathic. And then that was very obvious to me. That's just not even healthy. Both of those things that you just brought up, both the way you deduced that these people were toxic is the way you felt. 
right? When you were around them, Mm -hmm. right? It's almost even less behaviorally induced than it is a felt sense when you're with a truly, like a person that kind of needs help, right? That this is beyond just like, I'm a selfish person. This is bigger than that person. They need to do their own work, right? The problem is, is that we have our head in the sand so much and we're so not paying attention that a lot of times it takes us so long to even recognize the feelings within our body, right? And so again, that the idea of really dialing down the level of chaos on a daily basis, like for me, that's meditation. What if it's not what you need, one needs to find their own version of that so that you can really sit with yourself and see what's stirring and percolating. And once you become in tune with, you know, kind of the somatic response of just being calm and not having chaos in your life, all of a sudden these signs and signals, wow, I really feel not like myself or I feel like in a panic state when I'm with this person. That's the clearest the way that person's energy sits within your body is the clearest indicator Mm -hmm. that they are really, truly toxic. And it's not just we're having problems communicating. There's something I need to excavate from my life, Mm -hmm. right? And so again, the answer is always within you. It's imperative and it's kind of incumbent upon us to be able to reduce the level of chaos to be able to hear those answers because they're right there, right? So true. It's all energy. It's just all energy. The more that we pay attention to our own mind our own stillness put ourselves first we can hear yeah. when things are off right it's so true mm-hmm. and then another big sign of when somebody's just really the relationship is toxic i guess opposed to like necessarily the person being toxic in this case but the relationship is toxic is whenever you're with that person you don't feel like yourself or you're behaving you're doing things that are not like normally that, that are aligned with your core values and it happens only when you're really with this person or Mm -hmm. only when you're thinking about this person or engaging with this person on the phone. And all of a sudden you start behaving in a way that is not true to your kind of default setting, right? So you, again, you want to just be paying attention. Relationships that are entirely rooted in negativity, again, you want to really pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. And, And a lot of times negativity feels good if you're complaining and you're, you feel kind of seen and heard of what you're going through, but that can if that's like the guiding energy, that's you want to get out of that, right? Mm-hmm. The default setting, again, should be positivity. Of course, life is like that. So you're going to go through dark phases and they're going to go through dark phases. And and that's okay to lean into the kind of grief or agony of that. But that should not be what's driving the relationship. Definitely. Yes. When I've taken that inner inventory and realized I've had friendships where mm. things are so negative right. all the time. Yeah that just feels awful. Right. And I've had other friendships where I'll be with them. Well, this is just one person. Actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one person ever who made me feel this way. Yeah. I would have no energy in their presence. It would right. suck the energy mm-hmm. out of my body. And yeah. I would always be so confused. Like, right. what's wrong with me? Did yeah. I not sleep last night? Wait, what just happened? And then I realized after mm-hmm. years, which is sad to say, but I was young. And I think I, I'm so happy we're talking about this because yeah. so many people listening to this podcast are young. I yeah. mean, so I, when I was in my early 20s, I just didn't have that inner compass to be yes. like, this feels awful. Right Now I do, 32. Yeah. And then also we have a lot of listeners who are my age and older. So yeah. a lot of people get this stuff. It's hard to apply it to our own life. Right. And something that I learned from your book that I was so happy to learn is that true friendships are a slow burn. Yeah. And 
you had the statistics in there. Maybe you can remind us how many hours it takes to spend with someone before you're really friends. <sighs> yeah. And which you can tell us in a second, mm. but I had a dear friend who was on this podcast mm. recently. Her name's Krista. Yeah. She told me about a year ago, you need to be more careful with your energy because you're so open. You're so excited to meet people. Yeah. You're so warm yeah. that you think these people are suddenly your best friend and right. they're not. You don't yeah. even know them. Yeah. So you can't trust them. Right. Yeah. Yet. And I was like, what do you mean? I trust her. No, I got an immediate good vibe from that person. I feel like they're my friend soulmate. But she was so right. And then yeah. in recent months, I realized, you know what? What was I doing? I mean, mm -hmm. it's hard to admit about myself, but it's something I'm trying to be a lot more discerning. about. Well, what do you think that's about? Why do you think why do you think you were doing that? I totally see why I was doing that. It's because for one, I think I do have a really strong intuition. Right. I know I do. Yeah. And so I can meet someone yeah. and I can see energy. And right. so I see this good energy and right. I feel like I know you from somewhere. Right. And maybe it's a past life or right. maybe you're meant to be my friend and it feels really good. And I have kind of unique interests, right. very spiritually minded yeah. things. And if someone's the same way, it's like, oh my God. Yeah. This is someone I can really talk about things with. Right. We can talk about really out there stuff. I can feel really seen. Right. And I think because I might have had a lack of that in some of my other friendships, even right. though they're amazing friendships, we have different interests. Right. I have been quick to glom on to someone right. who really right. feels like they get it. Right. But then time will pass and I'm like, this person is mean or, right. you know, whatever else. And right. I can also recognize things in myself, trust me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that's why I was doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. So, you know, I forget the exact number, but it's literally hundreds of hours you have to have spend with somebody for them to really understand you at a level that you could call them a true, you know, friend. And when you start to look at the numbers like that, then you started saying basically you have 30 friends, right? But this is just becomes a math equation, right? Because if you need to spend hundreds of hours with somebody to be a truly good friend. And that also means like that you're aligned. It's not just, it's a hundred good out, you know, mm -hmm. hours that move the friendship forward. Mm -hmm. Not every minute is going to be good, but you know what I'm saying. Then you multiply that by 30 and now you have an 11 month old and a husband and a career and it's just mathematically impossible, right? So you have to start making choices if we're talking about friendship in the same way, right? Which we are, mm -hmm. right? And so you can like somebody and you can connect with somebody, but can you give them hundreds of hours? Because that's what it's going to need to take for in order for this to start to become an, a machine or an engine, this relationship that starts to provide energy, that starts to provide support, to, that starts to provide all the things that really good friendships mm -hmm. need to have in order to be considered really good friendships, right? Mm -hmm. So it is about a slow burn. It is about really kind of getting to know I mean, intuition and that one kind of core energy that you connect on, that's good information, right? That's something I think you do want to pay attention to and go, oh, that sparked something in me. Let me look at that. But it's it's a much longer jump than let's be really good friends just because you feel a kernel of energy. Mm -hmm. That should be enough to have your curiosity and like, let me see, plod along with this and see if it could be something yeah. down the line. And a lot of those will fall off just because that little spark of energy wasn't enough to keep the relationship ignited, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's interesting because 
by those standards, it sounds like it's hard to make new friends because there's many hours that most of us don't feel like we have to give. But I think it's important to make new friends. And this is coming from most of my close friends are Mm -hmm. from childhood. But the times that I have had these slow burn new friends, Mm -hmm. which now I guess, you know, not that new, but to be really friends can take years. Yeah. Feel so good. Mm -hmm. And those are nice because like you said, it's different than just being plopped on the playground or in your college sorority. Right. Where there's like you're out there seeking around you. This is totally different. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's really interesting. I think it's hard to be a warm, loving person in the world who's sensitive, mm-hmm. who wants to make friends, yeah. who has a lot of friends, who doesn't have a lot of time. And, you know, right. it's very nuanced. Yeah. It's very nuanced. But I always want to make new friends. To anybody right. listening, I do. <laughs> but I'm trying to be a lot more discerning. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like understanding that not everybody has to be everything, like we said. And mm-hmm. if there are the inner ring, the kind of middle ring, then the kind of functional friends and the outer ring and understanding that you can welcome new people into your life. It's just they're not all sitting on that starting bench, mm-hmm. right? They're, they are, you know, as long as you're energetically understanding that this is somebody that I will give X amount of energy to. You don't quite quantify it, like literally. But if you understand, I'm not just bringing them full stop into my world. I'm bringing them in. And this is the kind of energy I can dedicate to this. And this is the kind of energy I can dedicate to this kind of person. And just getting really clear on that, just the audit piece and the awareness piece, half of the heavy lifting is done for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then it comes to the non-negotiables, which... I'm now getting more cutthroat and I'm proud of myself because <laughs> my non-negotiables previously, the, like I said, the friendship standard was high, but yeah. I would let people get away with just about anything. Right Now, so I have an almost one-year-old, you have a yeah. five-year-old, yeah. so you know how this yes. is. There are people who probably think they're still my friends who haven't even tried to meet my baby. Yeah. And obviously outer circumstances aside, yeah. there are people who live far away who haven't been to town. That's totally fine. Right. It's different than that. Right. It's like when there's no effort right. and I feel like I have made an effort. Yeah. Not just recently, but for many years. Right. Where I'm realizing this doesn't hit any right. of my non-negotiables. Yeah. And I think that is a really important thing that, that this idea that like friendship, I think in an ideal situation, both of you should be really curious about the other. For the most part, mm-hmm. right? Curious. What's this What's this person up to? What are they mm-hmm. doing? What's motivating them? What's exciting them? And so when you have something that's like fundamental, like a new child, there should be real curiosity about how you're doing, meeting that child. You don't, and you don't have to be like involved at every level as a friend, but there should be a curiosity factor there that from a place of love, you know, where it's like, I want to, in order to know who you are, they need to know how you are with this child and this child. Yeah. Otherwise they can't know you fully. And absolutely. And even if they don't have children, it's not like they have to be at every, you know, baby birthday or no, any of those things. you don't have to suddenly become a baby lover. It's no, more like, it's a curious motherhood? About you? Yes. You've been a mom for almost a year. Like, right. No. And so I totally hear you. I think I have to have some tough conversations, Mm -hmm. which I typically avoid. Right. But it's coming up as a pattern in my life and I'm getting better and better at doing it. Yeah. So that's what I got to do. You'll see this a lot 
at these big kind of life events. So where you're making a big transition and how people react in your world is a real tell, right? So like getting engaged, getting married, the wedding, having a baby, new career, you have fundamentally shifted and that bothers a lot of people or doesn't interest a lot of people in your life. Mm -hmm. Good information, Mm -hmm. right? So you want to pay attention to these things and you start to see who shakes out but a lot of times we 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 don't really do anything. We see this behavior and we're just like, push it down. Yeah, and that can make us sick. Yes, I mean, literally. A whole other topic is that I was very sick for many years with right. Lyme disease right. and just chronically ill, chronically in bed. A lot of people didn't know how to show up. And right. I could recognize the people who were trying, even if they totally didn't know what I needed. Right. And that yes. was great. Like totally. trying feels so good, sure, especially it's a- when it's, chronic because it's like years later like it's tough and then there were people who just showed me their true colors right and did I let that slide yes and so that doesn't feel good yeah it doesn't feel good in my own heart about myself really it's like god that person showed me who they were and here I still am (laughs) crying about it in the bath like yeah we got to take ownership for sure. what we're allowing in our life. Absolutely. We teach people how to treat us. Mm-hmm. And totally. so that what you tolerate is what you get. Yeah. Oh, it's so wild. Yeah. Oh, my God. I could talk to you forever. Yeah. <laughs> Before we finish, I just want yes. to ask you a couple of the rapid fires. Yes. Do you know your sun rising and moon signs? No, I just know I'm a Capricorn. Oh, you're a, you're yeah. such a Capricorn. Yeah. <laughs> you have total <laughs> Capricorn energy. When's your birthday? January 8th. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love that. Same as Elvis and David Bowie. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you give your whole book is Capricorn oh, vibes. And what are you? I'm a Libra. Oh, cool. I love Libra. Air sign, yes. So kind of opposites, yeah. but in such a good way. And my husband's an Aries. What is that? He's a fire sign. Fire sign. Yeah, we love Aries. Yeah. <laughs> my husband's also a fire sign, but he's a Leo. Oh, cool. Yeah. If you could be in a room with three people, who would they be? Oh, let's see. I would say... Frank Sinatra, Hillary Clinton, and George Carlin. Amazing list. What is the meaning of life? Relationships and to connect. Totally. What's on the horizon for you? A lot of writing stuff. A lot of some book stuff, some script stuff. There's a lot of writing in the near and hopefully distant future. You're such a good writer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Final question. I really wanted to ask you this. The friend Mm -hmm. who you told that she was chronically late and Mm -hmm. then you guys talked about it and Mm -hmm. then you remained friends. Mm -hmm. How does she feel about being such a talked about subject in the book? As a writer who writes about people, I have to know. Yes. You know, it was actually a bit of a sore subject, which I didn't really anticipate. I guess I should have. But I've talked about it so much in podcasts. And for some reason, this is like a lot of times the clip that comes up. So like I'll be re-gramming it. And (laughs) yeah, so I've also had a lot of questions from other friends being like, who is that friend? Which friend is that? (laughs) Which I never, by the way, ever say. Mm -hmm. So and I tell that to my friend, you know, this is like anonymous. But I think it's a Luckily, because it all we're now we're closer than ever that I think it can kind of be like, a, uh, but also like, 
a really great affirmation like oh wow this really works we talked we're, we're, yeah. we're so valuable to each other so yeah, yeah. I've been, been wondering angst. that for a long time because I talk about people anonymously yeah. a lot yeah. so that's what happens yeah. when you write and when you have a podcast yeah. and I do think it has really upset some people so I try to be extremely anonymous yeah. it's not really in my personality to be mysterious right. but I try <laughs> But yeah, you're a writer and you did such a beautiful job. Thank Everybody you. got to read this book, How to thank Break Up with Your Friends. And you're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you. I'd love to. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Come say hi on Instagram at The Balance Wand and tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot of your rating and review for a free Soul on Fire yoga ebook. See you next Wednesday. Love you guys. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.